Now back to the Tribune's Rick Pearson. It's the Sunday Spin on 720 WGN. Good Sunday evening. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune. Welcome to the bonus hour, third hour of your Sunday spin on this Sunday evening. 312-981-7200 is our phone number. And uh, a very interesting show so far with uh, all kinds of information. And uh, someone who is uh, filled with a lot of information and a frequent guest on the show, Brad Cole, the executive director of the Illinois Municipal League, joins me now. Brad, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Nice to be the bonus tonight. <laughs> you, there you go. See, I always treat you well. You uh, do. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm. I know you've uh, appeared uh, several times on uh, some of uh, Governor Pritzker's uh, daily coronavirus updates, and the, the the last time you appeared, you had a you had a very interesting line in your remarks that. Municipal officials, law enforcement agencies, and public safety personnel have been caught in the middle of disputes and disagreements. Those disagreements have included determining what's an essential business is and what is not, and they've included protecting people's rights to protest peacefully against the actions of their government. This has been difficult. Um, Caught in the middle, I think, is, is a fair way to put it. Yes, and it has been difficult for a lot of local officials, and I listened to your show this evening, and uh, from a Cook County commissioner to a member of Congress, uh, they talk about the impact on the cities and the villages across the state, and those local officials have been tasked with enforcing the stay-at-home order and the various components of it. Some of those local officials agree with it, some of them don't, but they've all committed to fulfill their obligation, and that's to protect their citizens and to carry out the laws of the state. But sometimes that has put them in the middle. There's, there was a uh, protest in Springfield yesterday and one last week and one uh, in western Illinois, and there have been some in Chicago. Uh, those are where the local officials get caught in the middle because the public safety personnel are the ones that have to protect both the public and the people that want to protest. So it has been difficult, and one of the pieces that you mentioned in one of my remarks about declaring or deciding what is essential and what is non-essential, a lot of that was left to the local authorities. The governor's executive orders have said what categories of businesses are essential or not, but a lot of the real detail determination has been left locally. And so we appreciate that. We want more local authority. We don't like preemption, but it has caused some conflicts at times. Well, and, you know, we talk so often about the regionalization of this state, and I just tend to wonder if this coronavirus is, in an already kind of divided era, if that hasn't even moved to divide the state even further when the diversity and regionalism used to be so much of a what made this state so great. Oh, sure. And it does still make uh, this a great state, but it has drawn out some of the differences right now. And and that's where, you know, we've seen some issues. Uh, The governor has said, rightfully so, this disease doesn't know any borders. But yet when we look around the state of Illinois, we see some areas where there are pockets of concentration. And there are areas where there are actually no cases at all. And that is highlighting the disparity between 
the different regions of Illinois. And that's an issue that we've talked about a little bit and how we can reopen and how to get the economy started again, whether that can be done gradually or regionally or however. Well, and and I I've, I found it interesting because uh, obviously uh, we just have the, the governor's new order that will take effect uh, on May 1st, but there had been uh, from his remarks speaking at the podium at the Thompson Center w- went from kind of uh, as as you said there this this virus doesn't know any regional geographic boundaries that kind of thing to well maybe we should look at things on a regional basis with an eye towards hospital utilization that kind of thing uh, to then kind of uh, more of the same, basically, in the stay-at-home order for May first. The relaxation in some areas, but but pretty limited areas where that relaxation is. Yeah, it's a tough spot for the governor. He's got to try to manage twelve and a half million people in one hundred two counties, twelve hundred ninety-eight municipalities, all with different opinions about this situation and his goal, as I understand it, is to protect all of those people in places. And it's difficult when you look around uh, the state and try to determine how to do that best. So I'm not uh, second-guessing. We'll offer our suggestions and input, and we have done that, and he has taken it uh, and considered our input. But it is difficult to look around the state and not have questions about why we can't do some things here versus other places. I know that's what we get asked by mayors and local officials, especially from those areas that are not as impacted, and even throughout the suburbs. So it's there are several different tiers of opinions on this, from the city of Chicago to the suburban ring to northern, central, southern Illinois. And uh, it's... It's something that's on everybody's mind. I know it's on the governor's mind, but we're going to have to work through that. We're speaking with Brad Cole. He's the executive director of the Illinois Municipal League. I'm Rick Pearson. This is the Sunday Spin. Seven seventeen on this Sunday evening. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune. This is your bonus hour of the Sunday Spin. We're speaking with Brad Cole, Executive Director of the Illinois Municipal League. So, Brad, as you pointed out, you heard uh, a Cook County Commissioner, you heard a Congressman talking about looking to uh, the federal government for aid uh, for the states and municipalities, uh, as we've been saying. You've got uh, some resistance from uh, basically Mitch McConnell. Uh, n- that's not universal among Republicans, uh, but certainly being the Senate Majority Leader it has some sway. Uh, you have Nancy Pelosi on the other side, the House Speaker, Democrat, saying absolutely there's got to be money for states and municipalities as part of a CARES 4 package. Uh, how do you see this shaking down? Well, we definitely need to see some direct unrestricted funding from the federal government to municipalities. You'll recall that back on March 26th, when the CARES Act was uh, finalized and approved, the Illinois Municipal League sent a letter to the governor and 
our members of Congress and said, that's great, but the money only comes to municipalities or counties with a population over 500,000. That means one city in Illinois and five counties in Illinois get that direct funding. The rest goes to the state. And we have not been able to see any of the dollars go to any of the other cities or counties yet. And that's a big concern. We raised that issue because we felt like every other community in Illinois has expenses. And if they don't have expenses, they have a considerable amount of lost revenue. Now, obviously, the larger city, the largest city, and the large counties have expenses, too, and lost revenue. But we can't just exclude all of the other communities. And we think that since that was left out of the CARES Act to begin with, that there should be an additional federal package that's put out there, not just for Illinois communities, but for cities and villages across the United States. And in fact, the National League of Cities and the U.S. Conference of Mayors and the National Association of Counties have joined together asking for that package to be considered by the Congress. It should have been in the CARES Act, which was, I think, the second bill that passed. It should have been in the third one or the 3.5, which uh, is was just discussed as having the additional money for the SBA programs. But if there's not a fourth package that has direct unrestricted funding for the municipalities in this state and all the other states, then those communities are just going to they're going to be in a position that I think is unimaginable. Well, I've, I've touched on this, and I was I was thinking of you. It was uh, something I saw on Twitter, and it was out of uh, out of the Galesburg newspaper about uh, here's a community of Monmouth uh, out in western Illinois uh, near the uh, Illinois-Iowa border where uh, basically they've got all kinds of uh, first uh, responders that are being furloughed. And, and Positions being furloughed include two full-time police officers, two full-time dispatch telecommunicators, one public safety officer, two probationary firefighters, and three part-time dispatchers. Now, that to me is about as front line, I think, as you can get. Absolutely. We surveyed communities all over the state to find out what they're doing because of the financial impact of this crisis. And I have a stack in front of me of responses that ranges from eliminating programs to eliminating personnel positions, not just the furloughs and layoffs, eliminating positions. And when you get into a city government, we've talked about this before, Rick. I mean, there's only a couple of places to come up with money. You can either raise revenues or cut expenses. Raising revenues means taxes. Cutting expenses means personnel and programs. That's labor. Labor is the highest uh, is the highest cost for absolutely. And so when they're down to the bone already, and people are upset about how high their taxes are, the only thing that can be done is to eliminate positions and personnel is where you know all of the the money goes basically that's outside of programs and the frontline responders those are that makes up the majority of the staffing for a lot of these communities so that's why i say if the congress doesn't act to provide direct unrestricted money for these communities because of their lost revenues then it's these communities are going to be a shell of what they were just because they don't have any place else to turn. And I can tell you, it's not just the city of Chicago, it's not just suburban communities, it's downstate as well. But if you look at suburban communities, some of those are losing millions of dollars a month 
in lost revenues. You just can't make that up. And and well, I, and, I mean, one thing I found interesting is some of the financial problems of Oakbrook, for example. And Oakbrook's somewhat unique here in that it doesn't really have a local municipal property tax. It's dependent entirely, virtually entirely, uh, on on the shopping mall, and the shopping mall is closed. Right, and that's not the only community that relies on sales tax. A lot of communities don't have property tax. They have that other sales tax base because they've wanted their residents to be able to enjoy that, and they are a retail center. There are, there are several retail centers there in the suburban area, but also if you look at downstate, some of the regional hubs have done the same thing. And so at this point, without any retail activity, that means they have zero revenue, and that's disastrous on top of a disaster. Uh, obviously, you've been in contact with the congressional delegation. Uh, what what kind of response do you get from them? Well, I, we have a good congressional delegation. It's it's diverse in its partisan composition, but. Uh, we have been supported. The Illinois Municipal League has received terrific support from both of our U.S. senators and from our House delegation in wanting to do the right thing and being supportive and understanding about the advocacy advocacy that we put forward on behalf of our members. The problem is that Illinois is just one state, and this is a national issue. You talked about the Senate Majority Leader, Senator McConnell. He's going to play a big role in this. He's not from Illinois, and he is looking at things uh, that relate to his caucus, I suppose. But we have to balance the Republican Senate with the Democratic House and the Republican White House and come out with something that is going to help everybody. Our delegation so far has been supportive of that. I know I've talked with several of the members, if not all of them, and their staffs on a regular basis, and uh, we get we get the support from them, but it's got to be a bigger piece. We need support from the rest of the Congress. One of the things that I've been curious about, and I've kind of just heard murmurs about this, is about uh, an effort to try to uh, defer property tax payments. And obviously, uh, municipalities are not as heavily dependent on property taxes as schools are, but for most municipalities, they do represent a a significant component. I was wondering if you've heard anything along those lines and and what your thoughts are on that. We have heard it. I've been asked about it. And you rightly noted that the city portion of the property tax bill is de minimis compared to the schools and other I like folks. that word. I've never heard you use de minimis before. <laughs> it might be a little bit of a stretch, but I like it too. But <laughs> it's anywhere from, you know, zero to ten, maybe fourteen percent of the of the property tax bill is a municipal portion. So obviously the rest is everybody else. And in that case, it's it's not as much money as it is for the others, but when we have no money coming in on any of these other manners, like the sales tax we just talked about, then that may be all that they're going to get for a while. So the deferral of that, understandably, that would help, theoretically, the property owner, uh, but it's going to additionally impair the units of the local government. I would say also that... I'd say probably half of the property tax is being paid in escrow. And so that should be 
those payments should have been made and should be uh, being made ongoing as a part of mortgage payments and escrow payments. So um, there's a concern we have about that being deferred. We would prefer that it not be. I would also say that it, that's if that's a decision that the General Assembly is going to make, that's another issue where the General Assembly doesn't receive, the state of Illinois doesn't receive any money from property tax. So for them to defer it, and I'm not saying that they're going to, but if they were to de- defer it, they would be hurting the income of all the other units of government and not themselves. And that's an issue we would have. And obviously, too, after the governor speaking about the uh, anticipated budget deficit, uh, the question, too, we always go around to this, is the uh, local government distributive fund the uh, portion of the state uh, income tax that goes to local municipalities? Of course, municipalities are going to be impacted by the fact of the uh, moving the uh, income tax deadline to July 15. Yeah, there will be an impact, and of course the fact that there is less income because people have lost their jobs. So income taxes are going to decline. The collections are going to be deferred, but the the, the payments are going to decline because there aren't as many incomes out there. That's going to hurt the state, but it's also going to hurt local governments. And as we've talked about LGDF before, we've been cut and cut and cut, and this is a time where it's going to show even more so. And we've asked the General Assembly and the leadership to look at returning municipalities to their full 10% share of local government distributive fund, uh, which is at a little bit more than 5% right now. But that's going to be hard for them to do because the state's going to want every nickel for themselves. But there again, the local governments don't have any other place to come up with the revenue that they've lost as a part of this. And so we need some honest attention to it, both at the state level and the federal level. That's Brad Cole. He's the executive director of the Illinois Municipal League. Brad, as always, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Rick.